Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. How's it going, Derek? It's going fantastic. It snowed. It snowed this week. It snowed this week. What's up with that? You know what? And I did not even say, I told you so, to my (laughs) wife, who three weeks ago said, um, I need my tires changed. And I said, until May, because there's probably still a snowstorm coming. Yeah. And sure enough, wasn't she driving to work in snow today? <laughs> but there wasn't that much and on the ground, which is good. No, like, but there it, were still like it, people it, being weenies. It stayed on the trees. Oh, I took some pictures of my front yard. It was like, wow, that looks awesome. Yeah. It was sticky snow, so it covered every branch on the tree up front, and cars were covered, and and yeah, so it was uh, it was actually made everything look very clean and pretty. I was pretty happy. Yeah, it was, it. It was really nice uh, yeah. waking up to uh, seeing... All the snow, which is cool. Yeah. And now the sunshine and the warm weather I know. show up. Thank you very much. I've got a sh- my front yard because the way the house faces is almost always in shade, especially mm-hmm. this time of year. So there's still snow on, on the front bushes in front of my house. That snow is still there. Oh, yeah. And see, mine, I face the sun when it comes up in the morning. Yeah. And then it goes down behind our house. Oh. So it goes, it goes basically right from the front over the top and yeah. down at the back sort of thing. You get the side to side. Yeah. I grow moss really good on the front side of my house. Awesome. Our front tree's covered in moss. I noticed a couple of the branches, the bigger branches, yeah. have gone all green and mossy. Mm, too much humidity. But they're saying, well, they're saying it's too much um, water, but it's not necessarily unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. So the tree <laughs> needs to stop drinking all the water. <laughs> Give some of it to my lawn. Exactly. <laughs> You know, that nice brown patch in the front of my house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, remember I told you I made that bird seed catcher under my bird feeders? I did see pictures of that. Was it's it a, a big square. It's just a big square, yeah. a rectangle yeah. frame with four legs and a. have stapled this um, screen door screen on it. It's basically so that, you know, trying to come up with a way to keep all the sunflower seeds from blowing all over the lawn and destroying the grass, right? Yeah. Yeah, smothering the grass from all the seeds and stuff that land. Yeah, it's been a big hit with all the birds <laughs> and the squirrels. Yeah. And apparently something much bigger because <laughs> is it there was fruit? a big, yeah, yeah, something. <laughs> ju- I, I'm thinking maybe it was a cat or something because we haven't seen the raccoons out yet. They haven't been around. We haven't seen any possums out yet. Yeah. So the only thing left would have been a rabbit, which... Eh, I don't think he'd jump that high. Uh, or a cat going after the birds and squirrels. Or so a my money's bunch on the of cat. birds. Or maybe it was a, one of the coyotes that are in there. Oh, yeah. The coyote trap. <laughs> um, yeah, or, they, or we've been feeding those squirrels and, and birds too well. <laughs> They're getting very plump. <laughs> <laughs> that cardinal the size of an albatross. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I had to go back out there. And uh, I, you know what? I don't think... I, I think it it doesn't matter what we do. It's uh, and it doesn't look the greatest out front, but I don't think the, any amount of reinforcing and uh, extra little bits are going to do really what I want to do. But so I think I might just end up hanging some um, screen under the bird feeders themselves. Oh yeah, and just sort of make it into like a pinata for birds and squirrels because you know it's going to be the squirrel that gets caught in there what is that man doing to his tree in his front yard (laughs) (laughs) we caught 17 squirrels and 8 birds this week (laughs) I'm going to start my own curbside pet store there you go (laughs) (laughs) make some extra cash (laughs) here little boy take this home to your mom she'll love you for it it's a rabid squirrel (laughs) so uh, yeah no other than that uh, (laughs) <laughs> uh, been doing getting yard work done. It's that time of season, right? Yeah. And um, speaking uh, of yard d- d- work d- and stuff, I was just I noticed something today, and it was uh, it's regarding ticks. Like I've been I keep my my ear to the ground for for ticks and tick stories and stuff like that. And you know, mild winters they tend to have a huge population boom. I've noticed that a lot of stuff around the area, a lot of a lot of smaller uh, news outlets are talking about ticks and tick control and the yeah, lost population. Yeah, going to be a bad year. But one, I thought, one thing I found interesting and is uh, 
now this company, I, I came across this company who produces this thing is from the Washington DC area. So I'm sure somebody up in Canada must do the same thing, but they, uh, they produce this, they make it themselves. It, it, you get these, uh, almost think of, think of it like a, uh, the cardboard tube from a, from a paper towel roll. And they, uh, they dose up some cotton swabs with a, a, a something that kills ticks, and they okay. fill the tube with these cotton balls. And these cotton balls, they're not harmful to mice, but these white-footed mice tend to carry the Lyme disease and give it to the ticks that give it to the other animals and birds and people. So anyways, these uh, mice will come to the tube take the cotton balls for bedding, take it back to their nests, and then for like six weeks, this cotton ball will kill ticks. And, really? But it doesn't harm the mice. And it's like, well, that's brilliant. So my takeaway from this besides that, yes, being a very brilliant idea, the Lyme disease comes from the mice? So I don't know fully. Like I understand like uh, the mice... Have, or they pass on a bacteria that bacteria. causes... So the mice have the bacteria. They get... It's a, like this symbiotic relationship between ticks and mice. It doesn't mm-hmm. bother the mice, but the mice can pass that, that bacterial infection back down to the down to the baby mice. And then the mice and the ticks are symbiotic. And so the ticks get it from the mice and the mice get it from the ticks. So it's this like one big happy Lyme disease family type thing, right? Well, but, good thing the mice aren't burrowing into the back of your leg, too. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Might be a little bit more obvious. You have free the tick, tick search. Oh, that's a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Do your tick and mouse check at the end of your walk. I know. <laughs> and uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff I learned today, too, about, uh, like, with Lyme disease. They say, well, why isn't there a cure? But the thing is, is there's so many variants of the bacteria that cause Lyme disease that it's really hard to nail down the one bacteria that causes it. And it's, and it, there, there's all these little, these weird variants of the bacteria and, and how they interact with, with uh, you know, mice and with humans and so on, right? So it's, mm-hmm. uh, and not all ticks carry it. Like, it's only like 10% of ticks carry it, depending on the location. But right. uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really hit and miss, and there's there's lots of research on it. But there's, I think we've got a few years left before we come up with an effective vaccine for Lyme disease. Yeah, but I mean, some of the ticks also carry. Well, there's that. Was it the the Texas tick or whatever, or the oh the uh, Rocky Mountain Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Yeah, that, but there's also the one that uh, stops you from digesting Protein, proteins. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the Powassan virus. Oh, yes, yeah. I, I don't think we need a vaccination for all the diseases. We just need a vaccination for the ticks. <laughs> what we need <laughs> what we need is the uh, the infinity gauntlet to snap ticks out of existence. Oh, that'd be awesome. Can you imagine? That, no, because you know what? Then you, gotta, you can't stop there. Next thing you know, you, there's mosquitoes gone. <laughs> oh, no, flies. we need mosquitoes. They're a critical part of the uh, biosphere. Gotta well, I'm going to take half of them away then. <laughs> well, what I would do is I would say, okay, all insects within a meter of me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or the same country, whatever. Same difference. <laughs> within a meter, give or take 10 yeah. miles. <laughs> Just as long as they don't bug me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Go to that guy. Uh, no, that, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. I've been doing some backyard work, but I do my, my tick. I've never found a tick on me except once when I was like 16. I've never had a tick since. I, did we talk about it last week? So yeah, yeah you had yours. I had my You first, lost your tick virginity. Yeah, I lost my tick virginity. Yeah. I had a tick on me a week ago or a week and a half ago. Yeah. So I was well, like, done. oh, and it was a, it wasn't a ooh moment. It was like, hey, my first one. <laughs> but and then it was like five of- inches across now, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then for the rest of the day, every time I itched, it was like, is that a tick? So yeah. I was super paranoid for the rest of the day. Well, I've been working, we cleaning up the backyard. We're looking at getting rid of a couple of our trees there because do apple trees, do you need to have two apple trees in order to have apples? No, but you do need uh, bees or something. Don't they have to okay, cross-pollinate? I'm, yeah, not, I'm sure. not sure. Because we have two apple trees, but I removed the old decrepit shed from the backyard. Yeah. And all of a sudden, one of the apple trees 
has gone from going straight up and down to about a 45 degree tilt. Oh, it's reaching. So I'm thinking that's, that's coming down itself. Mm. So I might just have to help it along its way. Otherwise it's taken out three people's fences. (laughs) It's that big, is it? Well, it's right in the corner of the neighbor guy next to me and the neighbor guy behind me. Right. So we got all our fences there and it'll take out all of them (laughs) (laughs) in one fell swoop. (laughs) That would be bad. You'd have three. And then our neighbor, yeah, (laughs) our neighbor to the side, the other side of us, he's got his massive tree, which is nice, but it's blocking all the sunlight from our backyard. Oh. So there's a couple big branches that need to come down. Plus, if that tree, because it's a, those two branches have a lot of weight, and if that tree comes down, it's coming down our way, oh. it'll take down our fence, our eaves troughs, uh, probably part of our, our garage. Huh. So uh, those those got to come down as well. Um, but yeah, that's all I've been doing lately is, is doing and, and waiting for nice warm weather to get out for paddling and stuff. I built a garden. Yeah. Yeah. You were saying you were building gardens. Yeah. So it's 12 by 12 and 14 inches high. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a elevated garden whatever you want to call it. And, uh, I have, uh, three yards of black earth. They dropped off my, into my driveway yesterday and. So now I got a lot of wheelbarrow work to fill up the garden. Excellent. Yeah. Do you need any um, any gravel type stuff? No. Okay. Let me know. <laughs> well, you put it you put it below that for drainage, right? Uh, no, I it's uh yeah I added some pea gravel at the very base of it, and plus uh, oh okay I put down a, a a shield because I have a black walnut tree, and black walnut trees tend to kill a lot of other plants. Yes. So I put yes. a I put a like a fabric shield to stop the tree from killing my plants. You can just take down the elbow on that tree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other than that, I was, I've been watching, I keep, I have YouTube playing on my laptop or my computer, whichever one I'm not using the laptop or the computer, I have YouTube playing and, and watch these things. And then I don't know why we have the Xbox hooked up to our big 55 inch TV. And I never watch YouTube on there, and I don't know why. <laughs> but, you know, with all the billion channels we have, there was nothing I was interested in watching. So I throw YouTube on up there. And there's a YouTube video called Big Land, Brook Trout Fishing in the Heart of Labrador. And it's by, it's uh, the YouTube channel is called Tight Loops. They're, they're into brook trout fishing and stuff. Uh, what does it say? Four friends embark on the adventure of a lifetime in search of a wilderness seldom found in the urban sprawl uh, in an effort to better understand America's first sport fish and the eastern seaboard's only native trout. Uh, they have a canoe expedition into the North America into North America's last great unexplored frontier, Labrador. There's only one problem. They've never even paddled a canoe before. What? So they, they, yeah, they show bits where they are learning beforehand. Plus they bring a couple extra guys with them. One was a whitewater rafting instructor guy <laughs> and the other one does. So, uh, driven by a 15 year old rumor of an untouched and forgotten brook trout Nirvana, accompanied by a couple of friends, uh, Nova Scotia fishing guide was the one guy and a registered Maine whitewater guide. How'd they manage uh, to arrange this? They're buddies. But you watch this video and there's the driving, then there's a train, then there's a float plane. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to see the price tag on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know what? It's a 47 minute long video. Uh, Big Land, Brook Trout Fishing in the Heart of Labrador by uh, the YouTube channel Tight Loops. If you want to see a decent video, I mean, check it out. Some really nice, nice footage. Uh, and the, 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 the trout are huge. Huh. Only three to four pound trout. Oh, yeah. These things are massive. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I, I got finished watching that. It was 47 minutes long. It's, uh, mm-hmm. I've gotten to eating in front of the TV. So I can watch YouTube videos. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> My dinners take a whole lot longer. <laughs> so, oh, well, I'll just put pause. I'll go get some more since I'm sitting here. 
It's like COVID weight just piling on, baby. I know, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know what? I lost 20 pounds the first go round. Yeah. But this time I've gained 10. <laughs> oh, it all evens out in the wash. You've compensated for your previous yeah. loss. <laughs> it's all about balance, Sensei. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or Jedi Master, whatever, yes. you, whatever your spin is. <laughs> There's a balance of the force. <laughs> yeah. The force of your belly against your belt. <laughs> uh, but yeah, check that check that uh, video out. There's a lot of uh, nice videos out there. and I mean, there's the regular people I watch and stuff like that. But every so often, one will pop up that, oh, that looks good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was one of them. Cool. I'll check that out. Uh, what else have you been up to? Well, there's one thing I wanted to relate to you or to everybody. So it was, it was a weird conversation. It actually happened this morning and it had me laughing afterwards. But, uh, so Siobhan had a dream and she described the dream to me. And, and so it went something like this. So she, and I, I have no idea how things get in people's heads, but you know, just have to run with it. So <laughs> was visiting Jim and Tori Baird and they were living in an apartment building, but they had their own private courtyard with trees and a small lake. And she said that she was, uh, she was uh, in their apartment and they were chatting and having beers. And, and, uh, and so she said uh, she was, uh, oh, she, she went and uh, went over to his fireplace mantle and, and he has an Oscar. He's won an Oscar. She goes, oh, these things really are lighter than they say they are. And uh, so Jim's won an Oscar. And, uh, Excellent. And she, Way to go, Jim Baird. She, they have a pool, apparently. So she went down to the pool with them, and and her and, and Tori were swimming laps. And I said, well, you can't swim. She says, I can swim. I said, can you do laps? She says, well, no, I can't do laps. And then so and so she was like, so from the whole story of that whole dream, the one thing your one takeaway is that <laughs> I can't do the laps. It's like what? <laughs> so it was there was more detail involved. She was describing the apartment building and the other apartment building and the 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 little lake they had and doing laps and stuff like that. But but it was like that that's your takeaway that I can't swim laps. I said what and she said and jim's gonna win an oscar i said he might yeah that could happen <laughs> but yeah so <laughs> jim there winning an oscar could happen your wife not being able to win laps yeah and i said well was i there she said, well no i don't think you were it's like what the hell you went to visit jim and tori and you didn't take me because <laughs> <laughs> you would have made fun about her swimming laps <laughs> but i was just it was so weird it was so surreal it's like so jim won an oscar eh <laughs> did did she happen to say what for? No, I was asking her. She says, "What did he win it for?" She says, "Well, I don't know." I said, "It must have been for a loan or something." She says, "No, it was some fishing or something about about camping or whatever." I said, "I don't think they give awards away for that." <laughs> <laughs> Canoe paddler of the year, yeah. the Oscar goes to. <laughs> she said he won well, it for some reason. I don't know why he won it. <laughs> well, why? Whatever he won it for, I just like to say a big hearty congratulations yes. to Jim Barry. I know, right? On your Oscar win, uh, you, you, out of everybody I know, you deserve it the most. Uh, <laughs> I hope you remember the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're famous in your apartment. Yeah. I just thought it was so weird. It's like, really? Like, I don't think she's ever met Jim or Tori. Wow. She's heard enough you, Tori, about them. I Tori's about them just beaming. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wow. So I just thought that was hilarious. I had to share that. And and has your wife been hitting up those little 420 shops in the corner? (laughs) No, she doesn't touch that stuff. (laughs) You know of. That I know. Because apparently she can swim laps and you didn't know that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) There's stuff going on you just didn't know, Derek. You're not paying attention. (laughs) But she was a little bit irked at me. She says, so that's your takeaway. I can't swim laps. And that's the one thing you don't believe in the whole dream. (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And that's how the fight started. Exactly. (laughs) So remember, my couch is still there if you need a place to stay. (laughs) 
Uh, what else has been going on besides you egging your wife on? That's <laughs> all I got for now. The big yeah. things were was the dream and the garden and the ticks I wanted to talk about. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, I've been up to a couple other things. Paddlingadventuresradio.com, our website has been updated. It got uh, a bit of a facelift. Yeah. It's got a... Uh, a regular stuff there, but a bit bigger and uh, different pictures on the top, that sort of stuff. It's got a big button, and if you click that button, it'll take you directly to our Paddling Adventures radio merchandise store. So you can get shirts and neck gaiters because, you know, Buffs is a, a company name. Yeah. Um, well, uh, drawstring bags and mugs. My, I'm waiting for my mug. It's on its way. Are there stickers? You got stickers too, right? Oh, uh, we got our stickers. Yeah. yeah. I haven't added stickers to that yet. Okay. Because we got it. We got a regular stickers. Right? Yes. Yeah. That we can just hand out or mail to people from it really, here. It really seems like stickers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we got those. So yeah, check out our uh, updated website, uh, paddlingadventuresradio.com. And uh, uh, while you're there, click on the big old button and um, check out our store while you're there too. Yeah. It's very cool. The stuff, you know, we, we you you did a lot of work on designing the, the logos. I think you did a fantastic job. And well, uh, it makes two of us. Well, I didn't design any of the logos. You did. No, no, no. You no said you, you like them, and that makes yeah. two of us. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't design a logo if my life depended on it. I'm not. I don't play with computers that way. Your your logo had stick men on it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's uh, it's very impressive. You, you, everybody should go and and check out the store, even if you, if you just. To look at the new logos and stuff, it's uh, it's very cool. It's very nice. Buy some merch. Well, it's going to be cool because uh, every so often I'll hear my my email go booting and it says <laughs> another order, and it's like cool. People are actually buying it. Yeah, nice, awesome. Well, people have asked for it, right? Yeah. Said, hey, and, when, when are you going to have it? So, and from what I've been looking at online, the prices are very, very fair. Like yeah. we're not out. We're we're not out there to to make. We're not making money off this. So, well, no, it's yeah. just to get people merchandise. Yeah, people wanted merchandise, so we added it. And uh, yeah, shipping's free. So yeah, there you go. You know, uh, that's that's a big bonus because I I hate going online buying a shirt and then say, oh, okay, like thirty bucks or thirty five bucks or whatever, and then oh, plus fifteen dollars shipping. So, yeah, so all yeah. of a sudden, your thirty five dollars shirt is fifty dollars. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, no. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, forget yeah. that. Uh, what a, oh, uh, Canoe Hounds Outdoor Adventure Show. Ben Stacy and myself were on yes. uh, this week's show on Tuesday. I, remember, about the, I remembered at 9 o'clock that you were on, and it's like, ah, oh, shoot, I missed it. <laughs> Too late then, buddy. Yeah. Uh, get Outside a Paddling Adventure. We were talking about that, our Trent Severn Waterway trip uh, from Trenton, Lake Ontario, to Port Severn on Georgian Bay. There was a couple of people watching that were with us, or joined us a couple of uh, on some of the days, uh, Kevin Callen jumped on later on because we did it. He always does the the format seven till eight, and then at eight, if there's other people that are, you know, that he has on as well, they jump on then. Yeah. So Kevin Callen came on for a bit and talked, and uh, uh, Alan Drummond came on and talked for a bit, and uh, John Brower came on and talked for a bit. And who am I forgetting? Oh, no, no, I'm not forgetting anybody because there was the three of us and then three other people came on. Yep. Haley didn't want to come on for, uh, I don't know why, she should have. And um, you weren't there. I figured you would have been there. I forgot about it. Oh, thanks, pal. I know, I know, I know. Thanks. Your bestest buddy in the world is doing <laughs> this, this <laughs> streaming video yep. promoting this TV show he's on. And you <laughs> forgot about it. We were, wow. I got to, I got to oh, watching. If any of our listeners are out there and can take this knife out of my heart, please help. <laughs> I was watching a movie with the kids. It was uh, Small Feet with the Yetis. and, and I so watched on. that on the weekend. It was really good. Small Feet, yeah. Small I feet was laughing foot? so hard for some parts of it. So I, small that's, Foot. Small Foot, yeah. So yeah. I was, I watched I watched that with the kids. We're all rolling on, uh, rolling, laughing at it. So it was really good. So that's how I forgot about it. See, so. and I watched it on the weekend just because I was flipping it. It was on. Yeah. So I didn't have to watch it Tuesday night and forget about my friends <laughs> doing important stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nor did I need the excuse of having kids to watch it. <laughs> 
I did feel bad because I thought I should have been on on the up on on the uh, canoe hound on Tuesday, but uh, unfortunately, I forgot. Oh my heart! Oh, there's this I know. pain right there. My, my children oh, right took precedence. <laughs> and I bet you they're now looking at you, going, "Dad, you let them down." <laughs> we have PVR, Dad. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. So don't it, we? We got PVR recorded. now, and I I never used it. No. Nope. Um. So yeah. Anyway, it, it was it was a good uh, good episode. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot of chit chat. A lot of joking. So if you go to Canoe Hounds Outdoor Adventure Show on YouTube, and uh, you can watch the. Uh, the replay of it. And you know what? The more and more I look at it, Kevin Callan and myself on a canoe trip together. Would that would be a lot like, of fun. Well, a lot of, I don't know if it would take it too far and people would die from spitting stuff out their nose. <laughs> yeah. Like sometime when him and I get going, it's like, Oh my God, it's hilarious. You know, you just sort of click with somebody like that once in a yeah. while. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, uh, what else? Oh, hammocks. I'm going to get a hammocks. Ah, uh, yes. We had a short chat about this earlier. Do I need a hammock for you my paddling do. trips? You because absolutely you know, do. They're so lightweight. They don't take up much room. I have gone 50 years, sorry, 49 years without a hammock. And then hey. I bought one <laughs> because I figured, you know what, if I'm going to go on some of these bigger trips and we're just going to relax, because, you know, that was the whole purpose is take my wife, take my kids, do some relaxing, not the go, 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 go trips. Yeah. Then maybe I'll get something that I can lay in and have a afternoon siesta, maybe read a book, you know, that sort of thing. So I bought one. It wasn't an expensive one. I think it was like 45 45 bucks or something like that. But I bought the, the good tie straps that wrap around a tree. So, you, and you, you know, have the, the, the carabiners to hook in. Yep. So you can use them for any hammock that you get sort of thing instead of trying to tie ropes on. And you know what? It was, it was nice to be able to sit there some days, but whenever I went on a trip with a group of people. You never use them. Well, because somebody would always be in it. <laughs> I'm looking. Uh, one of our friends, Kim, when we went to Baron, was it Baron Canyon or was it Grandine? Point Grandine. Maybe it was Point Grandine. The native um, campground? Yeah. Yeah, that's one. The Point Grandine. Anyway, it was one of them. I had, yeah, yeah, it was Point Grandine. I had it set up. And I was going to use, and she was, she was in it having a little snooze and we heard this noise and there was a hummingbird above her Oh yeah, while she was sleeping. And I'm thinking, oh, come on, just get her, get her. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, like I take it and everybody else uses it. It's just like my bug jacket. I have a bug jacket. I've used it twice. I've owned it, owned it for four years. (laughs) I've used it, I think, twice. It's funny, eh? Because like, everybody else uses it. Some of those things that uh, that you have, like it's, I don't know how many times I've come back from a trip and says, man, I got to stop carrying this thing or that thing. Mm-hmm. I never use it. I never use it. And then you think, oh, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. So you keep taking it, like bug jackets or hammocks or whatever. Depending on the group I'm with, it's like if I'm with uh, with wife and kids, then the kids are always wanting to be in the hammock. They they play in it and they swing on it and whatever. But if I'm with a with usually with, off with a group of guys or something, it's uh, tend not to use hammocks, right? Unless you're sleeping mm-hmm. in them. Well, and see, that's what, when I was looking at the hammocks here, um, like I say, I've not used one except for the last couple of years. I got one, I was, ah, you know, so I'll, I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. You know, it's nice to sit in it, but then I was sitting in it and you know, when you first sit in one, if you haven't hung it the fir- high enough properly, you're going to hit the ground or hit yeah. something that you, you've missed and it swings a bit. Well, I, I guess I hit a rock. It gave a little rip and then, <laughs> that's you know, excuse uh, Coast to coast, yeah. Yeah, my big fat butt. Uh, <laughs> it's all that COVID weight I was expecting. Um, it ripped, so I needed a new one. But I'm looking at them. I mean, you can get cheapy ones for 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. 
you can get ones for like 150 bucks that have the screen over top and a and a, um, a tarp over top. Which you know what? That's overkill. If you're if you're going that far, you might as well get something like a Hennessy hammock or you know one of the top more top of the line ones. Um, but even with just looking at different things, would you sleep in just a regular hammock while you're backcountry camping? Like uh, overnight. I have done that. Uh, I've been on a trip where me and another guy did that. And uh, I, I, I would, st- I still put a tarp over just to keep the dew from collecting on top of me, but I've slept in just a hammock with a tarp over top in case it rained or to keep the dew off. But yeah, I, I mm-hmm. did do that. Yeah. I mean, I've slept um, on the ground beside a fire pit, mm-hmm. just on the ground. I've slept on a air mattress or like a thermo rest next to the fire pit in my sleeping bag. Um, but I've never actually slept in just a regular hammock overnight. I find them very comfortable. Uh, I, mm-hmm. uh, as the older I get the, even like I've, I've gone to a very thick thermo rest and that sort of helps, but, uh, the best sleeps I get now and well in the last 10 years or so is, uh, is in a hammock. And, uh, so it's just to keep, it's that unforgiving ground. And, uh, just because you're laying on solid ground that does, it's not forgiving. It's like li- sleeping on, on plywood or something. Right. So it's, yeah. uh, it, I find it does help for me just because maybe just because I'm getting older and stuff, my, my joints aren't as, uh, as happy with that anymore. Well, I remember there, the year I got my thermo rest, uh, I was in my mid forties. And I was on, I had gone down the stairs over one of our cats. So I was dealing with a sore back. I uh, went on this ca- this this canoe trip anyway. And the just the cold was going from the ground into my lower back where it was just brutal. And everybody says, it's going right through your thermo rest? And my, I'm like, my what? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do, you, what do you put under your sleeping bag? Um, the bottom of the tent? <laughs> And they're looking at me like I'm stoned. And I'm like, no, they're all, no, no. What about your sleep? And I'm like, why would you not just sleep on the ground? Like everybody else has been doing since time began. Yeah, exactly. And that's when I was introduced to what they call a thermo rest. <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. Up until my mid forties, I still slept right on the ground. I just lay my sleeping bag out on the bottom of the tent and go to sleep. I don't think I've ever slept right on the ground. I've slept. I, I think my first sleeping pad was just a one of those yellow, and I still have two of them. Just a yellow, dense foam that rolls into a tube. Oh, like like the blue foamies. Yeah, like the blue foamy, but this was yeah. a denser yellow one. See, I used to take one late season when I was cold camping, but it was bl- like the blue foamy that rolled up. But it was uh, silver reflective on one side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. put that down on the ground and then put your sleeping bag on top. Yeah. But no, you know, yeah, no, that was like late season, late October, November camping sort of thing. But yeah, other than that, it was just straight on the ground. Hmm. Until I came to the realization from introduction of thermo rests and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you cheaters? Are you cheaters out there? <laughs> so, do you use a pillow? No. <laughs> well, my my jacket. You're like a caveman, or, or you know, if you get your dirty clothes bag or something. Yeah. Right. Other than Just that, a, no. Like a large rock to rest your head on. If one's available, <laughs> I go and cut myself a perfectly good shaped log. Maybe put a couple of notches <laughs> so my head doesn't move. There you go. Grab a rabbit. <laughs> Whatever. You are a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's all these extra bits that people were using. It's like, well, and now that I started using this stuff, well, that's why my my pack went up 100 pounds. There you go, right? <laughs> I'm bringing 15 times the stuff. I know, right? Every little thing adds up, and it's like, oh, no. Remember back when we actually had a handheld flashlight with two big D batteries? In the back, Dan. Yep. Way back. <laughs> Your grandfather, Pappy, remembers. 
<laughs> when I did all my hiking down south in in the White Mountains and Mount Washington and stuff, uh, Grant Brower, he's he's a he's a you know save a half an ounce here, half an ounce there. By the time you, oh yeah, next thing you know you're saving ten pounds. Anyways, the he did, miser. He he looked at my pack. He says, "What do you have in there?" <laughs> so because I was complaining about the, I, it, I was having trouble keeping up with everybody, and he so he he did an intervention and he he helped me <laughs> pare down my pack. He says, "Why do you have that?" It's like, well, because in case I need it, you don't need it. So he, it's he a hiking rid of intervention. Like, he got he dropped my pack weight by like thirty pounds or something, and yeah. <laughs> it's like it was, and it was it's stuff that I just carried just in case, and I didn't really need. But yeah, so Grant really, uh, he really uh, corrected me. He carries a he had a kitchen scale that to weigh everything, and uh, it, it was incredible. Just the smallest things like repackaging your freeze dried food into a uh, into a smaller Ziploc saves you like a quarter ounce or a third of an ounce, or you know once you add them all up, you're like talking pounds over time with all the different things right yeah so no you know what there's i i have i have a, a mesh bag i actually used to use it because you used to be able to get wells beer in you know the uh, plastic pop bottles like the two liter pop bottles wells beer yes i like that, that stuff yeah 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 so i had this mesh bag i bought i'd put on the end of a rope and toss it into the lake to keep the beer cold yeah well, since they don't make it anymore, it's become my extras bag. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Some extra rope just in case we need it or something just because <laughs> we need it. Or here, we'll put these just in case we need it. Yeah. And when you take that bag out, yeah, it's probably about five pounds. <laughs> just, it's all the just in case stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Grant Brower would probably take that and beat me to death with it. <laughs> what are you doing with I this know. bag? I I found this, so I I, uh, I got into the habit of uh, like cooking bannock and making pancakes and stuff like that, and I didn't want to carry a frying pan, but I found this really strong. It, it's not wasn't shale, but it was like a almost like a granite stone, and it was like ten inches around. So I carried, I would wrap it in newspaper and carry it in the bottom of my bear barrel. I carried a rock with me. <laughs> And it fit over the fire pit, and I would just cook stuff on this flat rock that I carried everywhere. <laughs> it was it was like two or three pounds, just a rock. <laughs> when we when I first started canoe tripping, I'd go with some friends, and you know, of course everybody's splitting everything up, and somebody would carry the pack, somebody would carry the barrel, sort of thing. And my buddy's carrying this barrel around. He didn't realize that I would collect if I saw like a nice big chunk of quartz or something. Yeah. And then when I get home, I'd put it in the garden going, that was from this trip in wherever I picked this up while I was camping. And it was like a five pound rock. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh yeah, this one's on this lake. I got this one from this lake and I got this one. So yeah, he's hauling around these rocks. <laughs> and you're watching him struggle like, man, this pack seems heavier. Oh, I better not say anything. I better not tell him why it's getting... Why does this pack get heavier the more we eat? Didn't we eat food out of this? What's going on? I don't know what you're talking about. You must be getting You ate all that food, so there was more room for big chunks of quartz. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, the good old days. Yeah. Oh no, the pack's not. It's, it's not the pack. You're just getting weaker. It's yeah. the you trip. must be. You must be getting tired. You must be getting tired and weak. <laughs> if you need to go to the gym, <laughs> twenty pounds of rocks in the in the bear barrel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so any, anyway, anywho, <laughs> I'm debating whether I should get a new hammock or not. I've got oh yeah, so that's how we started one. this conversation. Yeah, yeah. See how we always bring it back to the start. <laughs> I'm just debating whether to actually get a hammock or not. A good decent hammock is worth the money. Yeah, but it's got to be. It's got to come out packaged small. Yeah. Um. So I think I'm gonna do some more uh, investigation. I think. I, yeah. You know what? If I can get another one for forty, fifty bucks, I will. But I'm not going any higher than that. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. If you get a decent one, if it's so, there's some that are very high tensile strength. Uh. So, so you can get. Uh, so there's uh, you can get the ripstop ones, and they tend to be very light but very expensive. Uh, well, apparently mine wasn't ripstop. 
<laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, like a, a really decent handbag is worth it for me, just because the kids get in it and they play and they swing, and there's two of them in there, and so it's it's usually it's it's a really good decent idea for for well for family camping. But uh, yeah. I also carry it with me because of my my hammock shelter. I use the same hammock. I, my, my favorite hammock right now is the one I bought. Uh, oh, I was with uh, Mike Burns. We went and stopped at the the French River um, Visitor Center. And oh yeah, yeah and, yeah. and so we stopped in there, and they had this really nice hammock set up on display. It's like oh, I like that. So I hummed and hawed. We did the whole looked around, and I I couldn't leave without buying one. And that's one I use all the time now. It's my favorite. It was like a thing. It was yeah. like eighty bucks. Hmm. What? What? Do you remember what brand? Um. No, but it. I'd have to look. Yeah, look when you get a minute, and yeah. let me know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody has any favorite, uh, you know what? Like forty to sixty dollars, say hammocks. Um. Yeah. Drop us a line. Let me know. Uh. Just go to Paddling Adventures Radio. Do the contact or go to our Facebook page and send a message that way. Let us know what uh, hammock brand you guys are using. Because apparently I need one. <laughs> um, moving on to... Do, 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 2021 International Canoe Federation. Uh, they are going ahead um, with their... Ocean Racing World Championships in Lanzarote, Spain. Mm -hmm. Saying it's going to be a complete success. So is this Uh, open ocean? Like this is out on the ocean they're doing this event? I guess that's where it is because it's ocean racing. Huh. Uh, July 4th to 6th event will signal a welcome return to international ocean racing for a paddling community starved of competition during more than 12 months of the COVID pandemic. Uh, the event's executive director, Jose Maria Garcia Rialobos, is confident the experience of the organizers are in hosting the past four Atlantic Ocean Ocean Surf Ski races will provide a solid foundation for the success of the World Championships. So these guys are and used to doing these big events. They're, they're, they're definitely used to do use doing these big events. And during COVID. Um, yeah, it's the whole COVID thing. So, um, and that's been the big thing is we'll get, we're, we'll sort of get into into that on, uh, you know, the new norm is here. And there's, there's three types of events, paddling events. Ones that are going ahead is regular. Ones that are being postponed a little bit to the, into the fall, it seems everything seems to be going. Or ones that are canceled out and out. So this one here, they're saying that, the, this event um, uh, area has already been tested with the International Regatta, a selected event by the International Sailing Federation as a pre-Olympic continental qualifier. And the island is also hosting the Ironman Lanzarote. Uh, I, I believe, I've, I did one of the pronunciation YouTube videos and they pronounce it 17 different ways. <laughs> Uh, it's a little town in Spain. Uh, so we will have all tools and tested protocols to face world championships with all due guarantees. Well, there you go. So they've, they've already done something and they got the protocols, their COVID protocols and safety in effect. It worked. Uh, and so that's what they're, they're going to go with. Uh, event preparations have been strengthened by the support of boat logistics, boat rental companies, uh, par- partnerships with travel agencies who will provide guarantees for participants in the event they are unable to attend the world championships. So that's key right there. When you're getting the travel agencies on board, then you know what? So th- th- if they're telling you, listen, book your trip. If because of COVID you can't go, we'll give you your money back. As opposed to, yeah, step up, pays your money, takes your chances. Yeah. Sort of thing, right? Uh, that's That looks really good on the travel uh, agencies. Um, organizers have also worked with the ICF to develop world-class COVID protocols. The Canary Islands have very low infection rates and strict measures have been in place to prevent the spread of the virus. 
Entry limits for teams have been relaxed because of international pandemic, opening the door for more athletes to experience racing at a top level, which would be cool for somebody that would never have the chance to race at that level. Right. And what's weird with these competitions these days is, uh, so, and you're going to see with, uh, where's the Olympics this year? It's in Tokyo. Tokyo. So what you're going to see and with that and with any of these major competitions is, is for the most part, you're only going to be able to view it on like TV or the internet. It's, Mm -hmm. um, there's no viewing stands anymore. Like with, with COVID, uh, you know, protections and so on, you just can't see these things in person. Yeah. Well, I mean, even with the Olympics, they're, you know, still making the decision on domestic fans at the Tokyo Olympics. Well, I thought they already decided uh, it was only going to be domestic, no, no foreign. But yesterday, two days ago, they said, uh, the CBC Sports even put out a thing saying, decision on domestic fans at Tokyo Olympics might not come until June. Oh, so, okay. Right? So I think what that means is, uh, from what I read about two weeks ago, is that there was only going to be domestic fans, but no international fans. And mm-hmm. so maybe now they're deciding, deciding that there may not even be domestic fans. I'm thinking it's going to be like the hockey games and stuff where it's like, you know, pictures of people in the stands. Yeah. <laughs> nobody actually in the stands. Yeah. Because you got to protect the athletes and the teams, right? Yes. Yeah. So, and, and the Olympics are what, three months away from tomorrow. Yes. It's coming July up. July 23rd to mm-hmm. August 8th. Yeah. Uh, so they're going ahead with, with this uh, Ocean Racing World Championships. Then there's the Northern Michigan M22 Challenge. It's postponed until the fall. So when would it normally uh, have happened? Uh, June, mid-June. Okay. It's been rescheduled for September 18th. Uh, it's a popular Northern Mich- Michigan triathlon-style event. Um, tra- the challenge is non-traditional, triathlon that replaces the swimming portion with a paddling portion. It consists of a two and a half mile run, 17 mile bike ride, and a two and a half mile kayak paddle. So run, bike, and kayak. Kayak. Huh. Event place t- takes place at Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore around Glen Lake and Glen Arbor. Uh, the organizer is saying one of the greatest parts of the M22 challenge has always been the energy of the event and the camaraderie we have for each other, racers, volunteers, and spectators alike. Given the limitations and regulations due to COVID, we could not organize an event in June that would be to our highest standard of quality and service for all those involved. Hmm. So it's, you know, it's better to postpone it. Then run it half-assed, so to speak. Exactly, yeah. You know, and let's, it just, might let's just roll be, the dice. It might actually be better as competition-wise because in the middle of June, it could be pretty darn pretty darn hot, right? Yeah. And uh, in the fall, the the uh, you're going to be able to work a bit harder without getting too overheated during the competition. So, yeah, it could be interesting to see uh, if there's any statistics on the change in timings and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that'll, that'll all... Uh... So, so like I say, there's the ones that are continuing, there's the ones that are postponing, and then the International Canoe Feder- Federation has cancelled canoe slalom Olympic qualifiers in Rio, totally cancelled them, uh, which all of a sudden this becomes difficult because who goes to the Olympics? You got all these people coming to Rio to qualify, so who ends up going sort of thing. So that's that's right now where they're, they're going to be in their discussions uh to say, okay, well, how do we how do we do this? Yeah, and they have postponed three other events that are in Europe because of the COVID uncertainty. Uh, they've delayed Stand Up Paddle Board World Championships, Canoe Sprint Championships, and the Wild Water Canoe World Championship uh, World Cup. Sorry, uh, until later in the year, just to make sure that all the COVID protocols and everything are in place. Mm-hmm. Now we were we were chatting earlier there. You know, everybody's always saying, you know, there's going to be a new norm. There's going to be this, this is the new norm. We're there. Yeah, I think We're so. in the new norm now. Yeah. You know, it, it's not something that's still waiting to come. We're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be the new norm. And I think a lot of it's going to be right now. I think there's a lot of people that have done events and have got, okay, well, this is how we have to do it. This is how we have to do it to protect everybody. And they're, they're going to run their events. Then there's the other ones that will be looking at these events and looking into other things to put 
restrictions and everything else into place so that they can run their their events and like i say instead of in june maybe i think september is going to be a busy month for paddling let me tell you <laughs> yes yeah. um, just looking at all this stuff yeah i think a lot of stuff is going to be um uh postponed into september and then i think next summer uh spring summer fall i think everything is going to go be be back to um where they usually have their events but they'll have all their, their, their COVID protocols and everything in place. Plus, hopefully, you know, the majority of people have their shots by then. You know, if you haven't got your shot by 2022, there's something going on. Uh, my big thing, I saw, pre- and I, I was looking for the picture and I, I couldn't find it. But there was, uh, they're showing pictures of people, different countries and their teams. They're still practicing for the Olympics, right? The rowers and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. I saw one, there was, there was four people in, in one of their boats and they're rowing and they had masks on. Oh, can you imagine trying to breathe through a mask while during competition? Well, like you even said, could you imagine doing a triathlon or a (laughs) marathon while wearing a mask? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like, and 10 feet down the hall, he's done. (laughs) 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 I'm just mailing it in at that point. Well, depending yeah. on the mask, some of the masks are, and you know, with with double masking now, it's it's like for me going up a flight of stairs with a mask, I'm like uh, uh, having a moment of panic at the top of the stairs, thinking, "Oh my God, this mask is suffocating me," and uh, so it's I can't imagine doing like anything that's like high output, like uh, full on sprint running or or paddling or whatever, right? Yeah, so it's uh, it's like that's crazy. Well, I, I get my uh, shot this week and uh, I, I'm getting the vaccine this week. And I was told, because I have the beard and I have the mask that covers from the top of my nose all the way down to my, almost the bottom of my beard, because now my beard actually goes past it. Um, and there's, because all that traps in there, because there's no side flow or anything, because it's all beard or mask, right? And there's days where I'm having problems breathing in that. So I was told that, oh, yeah, when you walk into the place where you're getting your vaccine, they hand you a mask to put over your mask. <laughs> so you're double masking it. Yeah. Don't give me the vaccine. I'm going to be dead before I get in the chair. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> I can't breathe. He passed out. Well, give him the, yeah, if I pass out, give me the vaccine so I don't have to worry about it. Uh, I, I, hate vac- I hate needles. I've always hated needles. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going in. I'll get the needle because I need to get it. I'll get blood because I, well, uh, back in, because. Tracy's a nurse. Never marry a nurse. Never, ever, never. <laughs> um, she, you know, oh, you got to go get blood taken. I'm like, oh. So I would make, I'd make such a big deal out of getting blood taken <laughs> just because I could. Yeah. I knew I had to get it taken, but just like, oh, look at that. Look at that big bruise. Oh, God, my arm's <laughs> going to fall off. And, oh. <laughs> just take, take it to the extremes, right? Um but uh, I'd made a post the other day on Facebook. Says, "Yeah, I'm looking for an emotional, emotional support bear, because you know, <laughs> everybody in the cubicle might as well be uncomfortable at that point." Yeah, if I'm gonna be uncomfortable, everybody's gonna be uncomfortable. Yeah, everybody's gonna be. If I gotta get a needle, I'm bringing a bear with me so that everybody's worried. <laughs> Ah, you got to have fun with it, boys. Um, so yeah, so this is the new norm. Uh, we're, we're there, we're happening and hopefully, you know, I think it's still going to morph a bit more. I think we're still going to change like once more people get vaccinated, but I think there's still enough people that won't get vaccinated that we're still going to be, a lot of these protocols are going to remain in place and it's going to be like 2022, 2023 before the whole planet gets properly, well, hopefully properly vaccinated. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, uh. It's the, yeah, you're right. We're heading towards or very close to the new norm. Yep. And you know what? Like I say, as, as we, we, we've mentioned about doing our trips, we're planning as if things are happening. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that we're not, we're going, we're going to be able to, to go out on these trips. So we're still planning. We well, have to plan. Uh, and then, it. yeah. And I think the, the, the people running these big events, because you got to think as an athlete, you can't just wait for them to say, okay, this event in June is going to happen. And then start training in May. Yes. As, as, as an elite athlete in one of these sports, you cannot wait to start training in no. May. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to start training a year ago or yeah, more. Yeah. Yeah. Your You're going to have all these marathon runners showing up at the Summer Olympics with beer guts. <laughs> <laughs> 
a new world record for the slowest time than the winner is. <laughs> yeah, it could prove oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and talking about kayaking, USA Today put out an article. Top 10 places to go kayaking in urban settings. But when you're looking at the, the, the places, you could do it just as well as in, in a canoe, stand-up paddleboard, sure, whatever. Yeah. And people do do these. The, these locations, yeah. like I went through the list, and you know what, these are all very popular locations. But they, I don't know why they picked out kayaking specifically, but you know what, kayaking has become very popular lately. Mm-hmm. So the top 10 places to go paddling in a city in North America. Top 10. And I'm sure there's, this list could have included a whole bunch of, of other yes. cities. Well, they had to keep it down to small, right? It's not <clears> like they're going to give yeah. the top 50. That's only a Why small not? page. <laughs> we could have just done one show on the top 500 places to paddle. Yeah. <laughs> well, they probably found somebody on staff that says, hey, you kayak, right? I want you to pick 10 places, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, number 10. Lake Union in Seattle, Washington. Kayaking on the water, and this is just right from their article here. Kayaking on the waters of Lake Union represents an excellent way to soak up views of the Seattle city skyline. From the water, it's possible to spot float planes taking off and landing, sailboats gliding through the water, and occasional harbor seal basking in the sun. The only difference between what this sounds like and Toronto's harbor front is Toronto doesn't have harp seals <laughs> or harbor harbor seals. Harbor seals, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we can get some harbor seals, we are just as good as Seattle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> yeah. we could have been number 10. Step up your game, Toronto. Go get some <laughs> seals, some polar bears or something. Number nine, the Potomac River in Washington, D.C. It's possible to see the Washington Monument, the Kennedy Center, and the beautiful Georgetown Waterfront Paddle to the Tidal Basin for even more sightseeing, including the Jefferson Memorial and National Mall. That would be cool. Okay. That would be cool. That would be very, very cool. I would have to say this would be probably at the top of uh, my list. I, I've uh, Seattle doesn't really excite me that much. I'd like I've paddled off of Vancouver Island. And I've done uh, you know Victoria and stuff like that. So I know the area is very nice. It's where you see a lot of the you see a lot of video of of people getting scooped up by uh, by uh, sperm whales or whatever you want to call it, or mm-hmm. humpbacks, whatever you know. Is it, whales? Keep, yeah, whales. People get, <laughs> keep getting in the mouth. People's kayaks keep getting into the mouths of whales. Anyways, yeah. so but the Potomac isn't so, or the Potomac or Potomac, it's uh, you see it in movies and videos and stuff like that, and like you're hard pressed not to see some of these scenes in a movie. It's like I want to go see that in person and to mm-hmm. kayak it. That's pretty cool. That is so yeah. cool. You know what else would be cool to paddle? <laughs> Our nation's capital, number eight. Rideau Canal, Ottawa, Ontario. Uh, While Ottawa's canal may be best known as the world's largest skating rink in winter, uh, has it been the last couple of years? Has there been enough? enough I don't know. Put ice? Yeah. I haven't Uh, been on it in the winter uh, in about five or six years, so I don't know what the current state of things are. They used to put a sign saying um, number of official skating days. Yes. Or something like that on, on, on the canal. It's getting small. Um, yeah. Mild winters. It's a popular spot for kayaking. This relaxed urban canal has several put-in spots as well as places to rent a kayak if you're visiting from out of town. That was number eight. Woohoo! Our nation's capital. Number seven, Clark Fork River in Missoula, Montana. Kayaking is so popular in Missoula that the city built its own waves along Clark Fork Fort River as a as it passes through the heart of downtown. Brennan's Wave, named in memory of local kayaker, attracts kayakers, surfers, and paddleboarders to practice catching the wave. Huh. That's cool. That's cool. Number six, Inner Harbor, Victoria, British Columbia. Uh, have you paddled there before? I have paddled there. 
While paddling through Victoria's inner harbour, you might spot seals basking in the sun and seaplanes taking off and landing. The harbour is and its surrounding waterways serve as a migratory bird sanctuary, making this a favourite paddling place for bird watchers. And that's why Victoria is number six and Seattle's number ten, because not only do we have seals, but we've got birds. <laughs> birds and seals, baby. <laughs> Uh, number five, Lady Bird Lake in Austin, Texas. The man-made reservoir on the Colorado River sits in downtown Austin. Lady Bird Lake attracts paddlers nearly every day of the week. Eight access points make it easy to put in or take out, and the city skyline is visible from just about anywhere. During the summer, it's possible to kayak to Congress Avenue Bridge and to see Austin's bat colony take flight. Oh. We've talked about that. That's not happy. Uh, with John Van Berger. Yeah, that sounds yes. cool. Yes, he's he's done that. Huh. Uh, all, all the bats come out, yeah. That'd be um, neat. Yeah, all the bats, man. <laughs> all the uh, bats, man. I took a wonder if you'd catch that. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Bartram's Garden in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. One of Philadelphia's best-kept secrets, Bartram's Gardens offers a kayaking launch point with art installations along the lower... Uh, Go ahead, pronounce it. Do it. Shoilkill River? Shoilkill. Shoilkill? No, there's a Y in there. You don't pronounce a Y. By the lower something river. That's the problem with the, these things we do, man. Like, there's so many different names that I have no idea how to pronounce them. Yes. We're not worldly enough. Yeah, apparently not. We're not North Americanly enough either, apparently. So, it looks uh, like a Swedish name. Well, well, put on hold for some time being, the garden typically offers free boating on Saturdays, giving members, giving members of the community a chance to get out on the water, even if they don't have their own kayak. So, yeah, it's on hold right now for, you know. Yeah. Number three, Roanoke River, Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, it sits in the heart of Virginia's Blue Ridge, making an excellent base for outdoor recreation. The 45-mile Roanoke River Blue Way offers easy paddling for much of its length, with the exception of some Class Two rapids near the gorge. Oh, I had a great day until... <laughs> Um, when you look at the pictures of some of these places too, they're, they're, yeah, I mean, paddling right through town sort of thing, right? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Number two, James River in Richmond, Virginia. The Richmond re region has no shortage of great kayaking spots, perhaps none as popular as the James River. From the Huguenot Flatwater Park, paddlers can head downstream to Williams Island or upstream to Bosher's Dam. And number one... Uh, Cleveland, Ohio's Cuyahoga River. Caught on fire in June 22nd, 1969. You've come a long way, Cuyahoga River, to be number one. The Cuyahoga River runs through the heart of Cleveland, providing a popular spot for all sorts of water recreation. Uh, the Cuyahoga River Water Trail features five segments along the 87-mile river. The last segment's comprises 20 miles of the river as it passes through Cleveland and into Lake Erie. They're not selling it to me. I'd have to look this up. Really? Yeah. No, that's that's cool. That's, that's, yeah, it goes right through. I know, but I think well, Washington, uh, D.C. would be even better. But you know what? We, we were in Pittsburgh for a hockey tournament, and you got the river that goes right through there as well. Mm-hmm. Right? Because all the bridges and everything go 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 over it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one caught on fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, caught yeah, on yeah, fire yeah. back in 69. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Several they were saying points. that it, it caught on fire because sparks from a passing train over the rail trestle went down and there were some oily logs and some oil film on the water and the sparks ignited it all for a nice half hour fire. Yeah. So there's a few factories that the effluent from the factories is not probably not ideal for hitting the river and, <laughs> and yeah all the stuff was there man so they, they lit the water on fire because then was it the detroit river caught on fire too or st Clair somewhere over there caught on fire too i think so yeah there's been a few fires on the water yeah what are we doing to our plan today i don't know this was long ago this was before us well i actually when this one happened i would have been 
November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. Whoa, I would have been a whole eight months and 12 days old. <laughs> bum, bum, but uh, there's a recent one. What, a more recent one that caught on fire? The Cuyahoga River. It, it didn't that, the, it, like, it was like, it was uh, it caught on river in the 70s or the late 60s. No, that was 69, yeah. But then in, in just, I think it was two years ago, it caught on fire again. The one in Cleveland? I think so. Now I have to look oh, it up. Huh. I think we talked about it about 10 episodes ago or something. I didn't think there was one that recent. Because the same spot caught on fire, like... Like 40 or 50 years apart. I didn't think it was this one. Yeah. I thought it was a different so one. I'll have to, you'll have to remind me. I'll do some research. All right. Do some research. <laughs> um, and that is about all I've got this week. Yes. Yeah. You so congratulations to Jim Baird on his Oscar. I know. And congratulations right? to the Cuyahoga River for being uh, yes. number one place to go paddling in a city in North America, according to USA Today. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and yeah, you know what? Like I'm hoping that everybody's, uh, gets to either do or postpone and still do a lot of their paddling events and stuff like that. Everything from local paddling clubs all the way up, as long as you're making sure that all your participants and everything are, are covered and you got all your protocols uh, in place, you know, then, you know, welcome to the new norm and we'll go from there. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else? I don't. I've covered it all. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's all I've got too. So, uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. And while you're there, click the big button to hit our new online store. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream all 271 episodes from iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Player FM, iHeartRadio, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. If you go to paddlingadventuresradio.com, you can either click the episode tab at the top or just click the big banner with this week's episode. Click that, it'll take you right to the episode page as well. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends and family and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.